Hey guys, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's podcast. It's our radio show and podcast form. It aired in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and West Virginia. If you could, leave us a rating and a review on our iTunes page. I'd appreciate it. And if you want, I'll send you a free koozie. Screenshot me your review. Email me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and we will get a koozie out your way. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25-20. Breaks a tackle. 15-10-5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball. Fakes a handoff. Fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman. And he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left. One right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 in advance. Country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. So, I really hate to keep giving you good Big 12 news, but I guess it's kind of my job, right? And it's kind of what, uh, what we're all about. You know, we'll tell you when there's bad news for this conference, but when the good news keeps on rolling, I'm not going to turn it down. And I'm not going to tell you otherwise. Pete Mundo, great to be here. Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We are your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Our headquarters, which is essentially my computer, is now in Kansas City. I'm doing a morning radio show there on KCMO. The rest of our guys in Texas and Oklahoma. So we've got you covered. I cannot wait for the football season to get here. I really can't wait. And we're officially, I think we're just over 100 days out. So we're getting closer. And we have a ton of good content coming your way on the site. But where I want to start is with this news that did not come from the Big 12, but it directly affects the Big 12. And that's the Pac-12. Remember the Pac-12 a bunch of years ago was going to be like this premier conference in America? It was going to be the Pac-16, and it was going to include Texas and Oklahoma and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, and the Big 12 was going to be non-existent. That never worked out, did it? Not only did it not work out, but the Pac-12 is now by far the weakest conference in the country in the country of the Power Fives. It is by far the lowest of the Power Five conferences, and it's not even close on the field and off the field. Pac-12 had a horrible NCAA tournament. They didn't come close to a college football playoff. Meantime, their numbers just came out. And here's how it reads. In a statement from the Big 12 Conference, Revenues are now up to 509 million bucks and annual member distribution up to 371 million dollars. Now you might say, "Hey, that sounds like a ton of money, Pete." You're not wrong. It is a lot of money. But when you compare it to the other power conferences, well, it is not even close. It does not even reach the ballpark of what the other conferences are doing. 
So think about this. The SEC, well, let's first talk about the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is sending out about 31 million bucks per team in distribution numbers. That's about where the Pac-12 is right now. $31 million. Good. But when you compare it to the SEC, which is top dog right now at $41 million, all of a sudden it doesn't look that good, does it? It's not all that impressive. The Big Ten dishing out $38 million bucks, and the Big 12 is dishing out $34 million. Now, you might think, well, 34 is not that much greater than 31. Well, here's the thing. The Big 12 does not include Tier 3 rights. If you're not familiar with what Tier 3 media rights are, essentially it's the money that these teams get from their local networks. Now, Texas is getting $15 bucks because of the Longhorn Network and that horrendous deal that ESPN put together. Jeez, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but whatever it was, five, six, seven, eight years ago. Even Kansas State apparently earns about four to five million dollars for its tier three media rights. West Virginia is up to about six million. Oklahoma, same with them, six to eight million dollars. So a lot of these schools in the Big 12 are pushing that 40 million dollar number. Now the Pac-12 has its own tier three media rights, but they've included that price in their distribution number of 31 million dollars. So that even shows how much the Pac-12 is dragging and how much they are lagging behind the rest of the Power Five conferences. And the Pac-12 network has turned out to be a total disaster. Remember the Pac-12 network was going to be this big thing that Commissioner Larry Scott was going to roll out. This was going to be his baby, his child, and it was going to take over college sports because the Pac-12 was going to be this fantastic conference. Yeah. Uh, none of that happened, did it? Not a single ounce of it happened. Nothing anywhere close to it happened. Instead, the Pac-12 has $138 million in expenses of their $509 million in revenue. That is an enormous amount of expenses, and apparently, as the Seattle Times noted, a lot of that comes from the Pac-12 network. They are 850 live events across their annual seven feeds. 850 live events annually, excuse me, across seven feeds. That, that is horrible. And considering about five of those events people want to see, a couple of basketball games or maybe three or four football games, you're hearing 840 events that nobody gives a damn about and are events that are largely non-revenue sports. Great, if you want to watch USC versus Oregon State water polo, I got the network for you. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what they're selling. If you want to see Washington versus Arizona volleyball, we've got the place for you. Does that get your juices going? I know the Big 12 doesn't have a network right now, and some may say that's a bad thing. I don't believe it is. These tier three rights are working out just fine for everybody. The conference network in general, outside of the SEC, which ESPN has pumped a ton of money to, is fairly worthless. Uh, yes, it makes some money, but even the Big Ten. I mean, uh, do you really find yourself dying to watch the Big Ten network? Is there ever reason that you have to tune into the Big Ten network? I'll check it out. Not much there. And as media continues to change here in the coming years, the network is going to be irrelevant, especially if it's tied to a traditional cable company.
because before long you are going to have, whether it's Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, uh, Amazon, they are going to get into the TV rights game. I promise you it's going to happen. They are so flush in cash, that's what's coming. So I don't doubt for a second that the Big 12 is in a fine position without a Big 12 network. I mean, how many people, is that really something that you think people are, are dying to have? If you're a recruit, are you like, geez, you know what? I, I was going to go to this Big 10 school, but I, I or I was going to go to this Big 12 school, but I really want to be on the Big 10 network. I really got to be on the Pac-12 network. Nobody cares. What matters is the money you're bringing in because then that money in turn can be spent on better coaches, better facilities, uh, recruitment ish, you know, recruitment things, whatever it might be. That's what matters. Not these conference networks. They're irrelevant. And the Pac-12 network can't even get itself on DirecTV because they're at a stalemate over how much the network is worth and how much DirecTV is willing to pay. Or the Pac-12 needs to pay DirecTV to get on their uh, get on their channel guide list. It's been, to quote a political phrase, a big nothing burger that has led absolutely uh, nowhere. It's done good for the SEC. It's done solid for the Big Ten. The ACC network's being rolled out. I've got my doubts about that as well. But this concept, this idea that the Big 12 is lacking behind the other Power 5 conferences is officially defunct. On the field, the Big 12 became the only team this year, the only conference this calendar year, the school year, to have a Final Four football team and a Final Four basketball team. Of course, Oklahoma in football and Kansas in basketball. Only conference that did that was the Big 12. No one wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to address that, but it is a fact. And the sooner that we can all realize that this conference is healthy, it's in good shape on the field, off the field, uh, the better off we are. You know, the conference realignment days, the purging of the Big 12, it's over. Maybe it comes back one day. I don't know. I mean, David Bourne's gone from Oklahoma. I got to be honest, he, uh, he ruffled a lot of feathers his last bunch of years. So I hope that these team, these school presidents, these athletic directors are all on the same page because there is no reason to be anything but excited right now in the Big 12. You've got Texas, and I know we've said this for almost 10 years now, but I actually believe Tom Herman's going to turn the corner with this program. You've got programs like Iowa State that are doing, you know, really have one of the hottest young coaches in the entire sport in Matt Campbell on the football side. You've just got to feel good. Even a team like Baylor that won one game last year. Baylor has a lot of optimism around the program right now. No other conference can say that they have nine football teams that should be feeling good about themselves. And I would say all 10 basketball programs right now. Now, I'm only mentioning them because of the fact that they're the revenue makers. They're the money makers in college sports. Now, we dabble in some of the other sports. We do some stuff with baseball. Cam Brock, if you're a Big 12 baseball fan, he does a fantastic job with our Big 12 baseball. But right now, we focus primarily on the money sports because that's where the money is. And the Big 12 is in as good a shape as it's been since the entire thing nearly collapsed seven, eight years ago. And that is positive for for everybody involved with this conference, from the fans to the media 
to the power players to the universities. And this Pac-12 revenue report is the latest example of that. So it's all good right now in the Big 12. It's all good. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much as always for uh, being a part of the show. We also got some interesting numbers this week. Big 12 football 2018 season over-unders. The betting numbers are out. I'm shocked by how some of these teams came in in Vegas. I'll also give you my over-unders coming up next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So we've got the over-unders out now for the Big 12, and uh, you're going to be very surprised, I think, by some of the numbers that came out and where these Big 12 teams stand as we're still you know, over three months away from the season starting, but it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to inch up fast. I hope it gets here quicker. I do. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you joining the show and uh, following us at heartlandcollegesports.com. We're also on Twitter at heartland underscore CS, and just search Heartland College Sports on Facebook and Instagram as well. So we can have the conversation with you there. Now, the over-unders are out from Las Vegas, and it's Oklahoma that is, as we've told you guys, the clear favorite to win the conference again, but they're at 10 and a half wins. Now, it feels too high to me. It does. I just, I know that they have so much talent coming back. I realize that. I'm not uh, immune to that. But I think in a Big 12 that is going to have so much parity, to say that Oklahoma can only lose one game to hit the over, I, I don't buy that. I don't. You're going on the road to TCU. You're going on the road to West Virginia, which could have a Big 12 sleeper in Morgantown. You've got the Texas game. You've got a non-conference game against UCLA, which I don't think is a big issue, but still, it's a big-time non-conference game. You go to Iowa State. That right there, that's five tough games. And you're telling me you got to go 4-1 and one in them to hit the over. That doesn't even include a really good Kansas State team, even though it's at home. So right off the bat, I saw Oklahoma at 10.5, and, and Sooner fans are going to get on me for this, but I'm sorry, I would bet the under there. And I know OU's got a ton of talent, but I don't know who the leader is on that team. You're not just losing a Heisman winner from a talent perspective in Baker Mayfield. You are losing a guy who was the heart and the soul of that program for the past three seasons. And you don't just replace that with another guy. I think a lot of teams would have a lull, would have a letdown season when you lose a player like Baker Mayfield. And that still might mean you win the Big 12 and go 10-2. and two. But when you're putting an over-under at 10.5, I'm sorry. I have to go under on that number. I do. Other big takeaway here, and we've got a bunch, but West Virginia down at 7. I mean, I'm not saying put your mortgage on West Virginia over 7, but put your mortgage on West Virginia over (laughs) 7. Because that is as joke of a number as I've seen. Seven wins for the Mountaineers? Are you kidding me? I know their defense may not be very good, and that's going to be the question here for Dana Holgerson. But this team, if they can't win eight games, then Dana Holgerson should just go packing because this is as talented an offense as there is in the entire Big 12. 
You have a Heisman contender at quarterback. If this team cannot win eight games, Dana Ogerson's never going to win a Big 12 Conference Championship. It's just not going to happen. He doesn't have to do that this year, but my goodness, you can't go eight and four? I mean, if you can't do it, then I'm sorry. It, 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 is, it is not going to happen with Dana Holgerson in Morgantown. You've got Will Greer. David Sills, a ton of talent on the offense. Defense is suspect. But you've got to be able to win eight games this year with this team. Now, there are two tricky non-conference games, Tennessee and NC State. But Tennessee is totally rebuilding after their disaster of an offseason absolute mess of an offseason there in Knoxville and NC State's losing some key pieces as well from last year's squad so I'm not going nuts over those two games even though they're two power five teams that they have to play before they get to big 12 action but there's no doubt West Virginia's got to be able to hit the over on the seven uh, this year now the other over and unders uh, Oklahoma State's at eight and a half it feels too high for me Cowboys have good skill position players coming back, but you're replacing a big-time quarterback. Not sure what's going on there. Um, new faces on defense. My hunch, just my hunch here, is the under on Oklahoma State at 8.5. TCU at 8. Man, Gary Patterson just reloads. He does. And I saw an interesting report recently that said uh, TCU, when it came to players they lost in the draft, they're as in as good a shape as anybody in the top 25 from last year. So they're returning a lot of key players. I know we think of the guys that are gone, like uh, Kenny Hill, um, you know, some of the star players on both sides of the ball that this team had. But you're bringing back Kyle Hicks. I don't think Sean Robinson's a big drop-off from Kenny Hill. That remains to be seen. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. K-State at 7, hammer the over there. I, I was at the spring game. I feel really confident in what Bill Snyder and his – uh, Wildcats can do this year. Maybe too confident, but I am. The defense worries me more than the offense at Kansas State. And they always play a pretty easy non-conference. The only tough one is Mississippi State, but it's at home as well. So Mississippi State is also kind of reworking its program. So 3-0 and in non-conference play does not seem out of reach at all for the Kansas State Wildcats. And then you just got to win five games. You got to go 5-4 and four in Big 12 play. This team's healthy. They should do it. Texas at seven. Gosh, they actually got the number right this year for Texas, didn't they? Every year, it's like uh, Texas, eight, nine, whatever it might be. Guys, just put them at seven every year. They're going to go seven and five. Maybe they'll go eight and four. I think the year for Texas is 2019. It's not 2018. So uh, let me let me see what that non-conference is like for the Longhorns real quick. But... If I'm Maryland on the road, Tulsa at home, USC at home, I don't know. It feels like I I, uh, I hate to cop out, but it feels like a push. It does. It feels like a push at seven for the Texas Longhorns at uh, the seven-win mark. Over-unders for the Big 12. TCU, did I give a number on that? If I didn't, uh, give, me, uh, give me the over with TCU. I'm going bold. Give me nine wins for the Horn Frogs this year. Their non-conference is Southern, SMU, and Ohio State. Two and one there. Seven and two in Big 12 play. I'll trust Gary Patterson to hit the over on that number. But I would not be shocked by a push as well. 
So then we go down the list on over-unders, and we get to West Virginia. I mentioned them over. Iowa State at 6. Give me Iowa State at 7-5, and five, hitting the over. I feel good about it. Texas Tech at 5.5. Got to be honest, I'll take the under. I'm going to take the under on Texas Tech at 5.5. It feels like a five-win season for the Red Raiders and possibly the last of Cliff Kingsbury's tenure. Baylor. You know what? I don't want to get cocky here, but Baylor's got a pretty easy non-conference with what well, we said that last year. ACU, Abilene Christian, UTSA, who they lost to last season, and then Duke at home. Baylor can win two, if not three. So I would feel good about the over, but I'd be very confident in a push for Baylor at five. And the Jayhawks at three, I'm sorry, until I see any reason to believe this team is going to win more than one conference game, I got to go under. You go two and one, you win one conference game, you're uh, you're just getting a push out of it. And that's that's a big ask for this team to win a conference game. It is in the Big 12. So give me the under on the Kansas Jayhawks. I hate to say it, but I'm done buying Jayhawk stock until David Beatty gives me a reason to do it. In the meantime, I'm, keep, I'm continuing to sell. That's it. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Always appreciate you being here with us. Coming up next, could Lincoln Riley actually ever entertain the idea of being an NFL head coach? We'll get to it right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Lincoln Riley, the NFL. I mean, would that ever really happen? I'm not buying it. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Once again, if you're a Big 12 baseball fan, you got to check out what Cam Brock is doing on our site. That guy is as tuned into Big 12 baseball as anybody. And I'm not blowing smoke when I say that. I mean, that guy is locked into what's going on with the Big 12 Conference. So uh, be sure to check out his baseball coverage if you're a baseball fan. So good stuff out of him. Now, let's go to uh, Lincoln Riley. He was on Adam Schefter's podcast, and he talked about the idea of if he'd ever be a head coach in the NFL, if he ever would want to be. And Riley said, quote, I don't know. Not anything that's on my mind right now. I love where I'm at, and I really love coaching this age group. I don't know that you never say never, but I feel like I got the best job in the country right now. I love coaching in Oklahoma, so I'm going to try to be the best I can here admirable quote about what you'd expect from Lincoln Riley, who uh, you know, he's not a great soundbite. He's not. He gives you the run-of-the-mill, fairly canned answers, and uh, he moves on with his day. He's not Bob Stoops. And now Bob Stoops kind of grew into that role. He, he got more brash as time went on, as he got more confident, as he made more money and had more success. That's how Bob Stoops played it. So I don't blame him for that. But Lincoln Riley is certainly cut from a different cloth. And I don't know if Lincoln Riley is ever going to have that streak in him that Bob Stoops had at the end of his tenure with the Sooners. But I don't see Lincoln Riley as an NFL coach. Something about Lincoln Riley just feels college to me. The visor, maybe also because he's barely older than a lot of college kids. You know, he's, what, 32? Uh, he, He just... 
he feels to me like a college coach, which obviously his playbook is more college-oriented. Not saying that it couldn't work in the pros. I mean, you are seeing the pro game take a lot of elements from the college game here in recent years. I mean, we, we saw that in the Super Bowl with the Eagles and Nick Foles and what they were doing. And if I got to hear Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth try to describe an RPO to me again, I'm going to blow my brains out. But that's what we got for four hours on Super Bowl Sunday. So it's not that the style won't work. I just feel like Lincoln Riley is the kind of guy who he cares just as much about building character and young people as he does about winning football games. And if those two are on equal footing, then guess what? You're a college coach. Chip Kelly feels like a pro coach. I know he failed at the pro level and now he's back in college, but Chip Kelly doesn't feel like the kind of guy to me, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know Chip Kelly, but just from the outside looking in, feels like the kind of guy who's who's more about winning football games than he is about the element and the side of nurturing and growing young men. Once again, could be dead wrong on that, but just how it looks like and appears from our vantage point. And I was thinking about all the Big 12 coaches and, and who I thought would make the best pro coach. And I got to be honest, if I got to pick one guy that I think would make the best pro coach in the Big 12 Conference, it's a guy who already had Big 12 ties. And a guy who was already linked, or didn't already have Big 12 ties, a guy who was already linked to the NFL. And you know who that is. That's Matt Rule. Been in the pros, spent time with the New York Giants. And I think he's fantastic at the college level and coaching young people and developing them. I think he has a real passion for that. But of any coach in the Big 12 right now, if I could have one guy to run my pro team, it'd be Matt Rule because he's been there. He's done it. He's had success doing it. You know, I know he was never a coordinator in the NFL, but he was with the New York Giants under Tom Coughlin. And I would trust him at the next level more than any other coach. My runner up to that would be Gary Patterson. But, you know, I'm not trusting Tom Herman in the NFL. Guy's a loose cannon. Tom Herman could not handle the NFL media. I mean, he freaks out on the guys in Austin as if they're the New York City media or the Boston media. Meantime, for the most part, these guys in Austin are totally doing puff jobs on the team. Every once in a while, they'll get critical. But but let's not kid ourselves here. It's not New York, Philadelphia, or Boston with what Tom Herman's dealing with there uh, down in Austin, Texas. It's not. He wants to act like it is, but it's not. So I couldn't see Tom Herman in the pros. Couldn't see it for a second. Mike Gundy at Dana Holgerson, not polished enough as a, a person, and I think he's fine with that. Uh, Dana Holgerson, you want to talk about a guy that looks like a college coach from yesteryear? It's Dana Holgerson. You go down the list, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I, I mean, I love Cliff, but <laughs> there's very little on his resume that suggests he could be a successful NFL coach. Bill Snyder's not meant for the NFL. And David Beatty, good guy, uh, might be better off as a high school coach than an NFL coach. Just saying. You know, I, once again, find me proof that he'd be a good NFL coach. You can't. Matt Campbell, I think, would be fascinating. I actually think Matt Campbell would be better off as an NFL coach. Not better off. I think he'd be more suited to the NFL than Lincoln Riley, believe it or not. I do believe that. And they're both young guys that do great with 18 to 22-year-olds. But something about Matt Campbell feels more NFL than Lincoln Riley. 
So it's, uh, it's an interesting conversation. But long story short, Lincoln Riley does not feel like an NFL guy to me. He doesn't. Uh, news this week that Texas Tech running back Demarcus Felton is going to transfer. Not a total shocker by any stretch of the imagination. It's not. He was down on the depth chart. And even though Texas Tech didn't land Cal transfer Trey Watson, Felton was not going to get a lot of touches. He had 22 carries last season, 100 rushing yards. Let him go somewhere else. Let him finish up his career. Kudos, more power to him. We wish him well. But he was not going to be a guy that was going to be a big part of the Texas Tech offense this year. Even in an offense that, let's be honest, I'm not going to say they're going to go from the air raid uh, to the wing tee. But if there's ever a year to run the ball if you're Cliff Kingsbury, this might be it. Because I'm not sold on the options he has at quarterback. I'm not. Could be wrong, but I'm not. So we'll watch that one here as we uh, get closer and closer to the season. Because the more I look at what Texas Tech has, what they have coming back, and what Cliff Kingsbury is going to have to deal with, I'm less and less excited about the prospect of them getting to a bowl game, which I believe Cliff Kingsbury needs to save his job this year. I don't think this is a 5-7, and seven, but the program's still improving kind of year. And it's, that's too bad because the defense is going to have to carry this team. And if you're Texas Tech and you're going into a season and your defense has to carry you, I'm sorry, you can't be very confident in that. If you're a fan, if you're running the program, you can't be confident in that. And that's too bad. It's unfortunate, but it's the way it is. So we'll see if the extra year from Kirby Hocutt does anything for Cliff Kingsbury or if that was just delaying the inevitable. I'm not sold on it not being the latter at this point in time. I'm not. Now also, uh, if you haven't yet, be sure to check out the site, heartlandcollegesports.com. We have some... Really fun features coming your way. We're going to be doing schedule analysis for every team. We also have best and worst case scenarios for every team. We're going to be rolling those out in the coming days. So there is a lot to get to. And uh, we appreciate you guys joining us and being a part of the show and following us. You also can get this show. If you missed the show live on the radio, you can get it on the podcast version, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can catch us there because we know a lot of you guys catch some of it don't catch the whole thing you ask us where to get it and that's where itunes stitcher and google play is where you can get the show if you don't catch it live pete mundo heartland college sports weekly thank you so much as always for listening guys and be sure to find us next week same time same place heartland college sports weekly 2000 country stations yeah we're one big country nation that's right